You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast, your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about tax implications around a very popular financing strategy that has regained popularity over the last few months as interest rates keep creeping up. It's called subject to financing. There's also some things around wraparound mortgages and seller financing that we're going to cover too as well. So if you're considering using one of these strategies or you already are, you're definitely going to want to stick around and listen to this episode. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, real estate CPAs out there. Are you feeling worn out by the routine of conventional CPA firms? Well, listen up. We're hiring and we might just have what you're looking for. Our firm breaks the mold. We're not for those satisfied with the usual grind. And if you're someone who's passionate about excellence and innovation, here's what we have to offer. Break free of endless time tracking. Join one of the fastest growing CPA firms as listed by the Inc. 5000. Dive deep into the specialization of real estate. Be at the forefront of cutting edge technology. Enjoy the luxury of being 100% remote. Yes, Say goodbye to those daily commutes. Reap performance-based rewards that truly mirror your contributions and not just the time that you put in. And collaborate with some of the brightest minds in the industry. We're actively recruiting senior tax associates, tax supervisors, and tax managers for our U.S.-based roles. If you're interested, you can learn more and apply today by visiting www.therealestatecpa.com careers. We're looking to make hiring decisions by the end of October, so if you are interested, now is your chance. Again, you can learn more and apply today today by visiting www.therealestatecpa.com slash careers. We look forward to hearing from you, but for now, we're going to dive right into today's episode. Before we kind of just jump into exactly what subject to is, it's just kind of important to understand what's going on with interest rates. So you kind of understand why this strategy has become so popular again. So unless you were living under a rock for the last year or so, and I don't believe you were, uh, you know that interest rates are rapidly increasing or have already rapidly increased. In fact, I'm looking at my screen today. I'm recording this as of October 11th, okay? Interest rates, if you have a credit score between 740 and 759, interest rates on a 30-year fixed are 8%. It's over 8% now. Can you believe that? That's insane. <laughs> It's sustained at high rates too. That's I think that's what's worrying everybody, especially over the next 12 months, is that do, do they sustain at these levels or do they come back down a little bit? Yeah, we don't know. I just read the headline. I was looking into this before. Mortgage rates are as high as they've been in over 20, I think 23 years, which is crazy. And you know, it's really interesting. Last year or two years ago in 2021, I was looking at a property that I'm kicking myself, of course, for not buying. I could have gotten an interest rate on it at 2.8%. It was like 2.83%, something stupid low. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. And now mortgage rates have shot up to almost you know, above 8% in some cases. And it's extremely painful, it's extremely painful. And it's causing a lot of deals to not pencil out for a lot of investors. How does that impact subject two? What is subject two, I guess, first off? And why is this relevant? Right, right. So basically, subject two is when you buy a property from somebody, but they still carry back the mortgage they originally had. So in other words, typically how this works, and I can give an example, is 
you would basically pay them the you're going to have a purchase price that you're going to agree upon. And then there's going to be the loan that the buyer has or the, the seller has, excuse me, the original owner. And you're going to pay them the difference between the sales price and the existing loan. And you're going to take possession. You're going to take ownership of the property. They're going to convey the deed to, deed to you. And now you're going to own the property, but they're going to keep their mortgage. And now you're going to pay them, right? You're going to pay them the mortgage payments and then they're going to pay their lender. And this allows you to basically effectively lock in that interest rate. So say someone did buy that property at 2.8%, right? And they have to sell their property for whatever reason. And here you are, you're you're savvy real estate investor and you're coming in. You're like, you know what? Let's do the subject two. Okay. You do the subject two arrangement. And now you basically take ownership of the property. Now you're paying their mortgage at that 2.8% interest rate rather than you having to go to the bank and get a new loan at 8%, let's say, which is you know extremely favorable um, as, as, as an investor. Got it, got it, got it. So you can buy property and effectively still get low rates, like if you can buy property from people with low rates. But who would be a seller in something like this? Why, why would I sell you my property with this type of arrangement? Yeah, I mean, there's probably going to be some, as they say in the real estate world, and everybody knows this at this point, I think you listen to this show, is there's motivated sellers out there. There's reasons for people to sell. There's divorce. There's other extenuating circumstances. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you you have other things going on. Maybe you're filing for bankruptcy for some reason. I don't know. There could be a million and one reasons why someone would want to sell their property. And perhaps you're their best option, right? You're not going to see everybody wheeling and dealing this strategy. It's one of those things you kind of have to work out and figure out you know, your your marketing as an investor, who you're targeting for this strategy. But there's like communities of people out there doing this right now. And the reason why we're doing this episode today is because God asked at least five or six times already that I can remember recently about how taxes work in an arrangement like this. So there's people out there, they're doing this. Really? This is happening right now. In the Tax More nice, Investors nice. Facebook group, there's been a few people. In the insiders community, there's been a few people. So, So how do taxes work in this type of arrangement? So first, the biggest question that we've gotten so far was who gets to deduct the mortgage interest, right? The seller is paying their mortgage. The buyer is paying the seller to pay the mortgage, right? So who ultimately gets to deduct it? So long story short, the person who is paying the mortgage should deduct it. So in other words, the buyer is going to be able to deduct the interest. Now, I, I happened to speak to a tax professional about the mechanics behind this recently because I was just like, okay, how mechanically, you know, the seller is going to be receiving the form 1098, the mortgage interest form from their lender. And uh, long story short, there's some mechanics. We're not going to talk about the mechanics. You can go ahead and ask your tax professional how to handle that. But ultimately, you, the buyer, deduct the interest and the seller would not in this case. The seller's got to somehow assign the interest to the buyer. Right. And yeah. that's and that's that's handled on the back end. There's the some form of stuff. Now, what if the seller takes the deduction though? That's a good question. That's a good question. There could be some issues there. I mean, one of first is like I guess let's back up the risk of this, right? There's a risk of subject to. So most mortgages have something called a due on sales clause, right? And a due on sales clause basically says that if you convey ownership. To somebody else, in other words, you sell the property, you have to close out the loan, right? You have that's how most transactions work. You sell a property, you take the sales proceeds, you pay off the loan you had. But if you keep that loan and you violate the due on sales clause, then the bank could potentially call that loan and you'd have to pay that loan. So there's a risk there. So you have to be very careful on how you do this. 
And, you know, we're not going to go through how to do subject two on this podcast. If you want to go look into that, you Google it. There's people out there who will teach you how to do subject two transactions. However, just letting you know from a tax perspective, you as the buyer, you get to deduct the interest. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Um, What are some other issues that we got to worry about? Like who gets depreciation? That's another common question we get. Do I get to take bonus depreciation on the property if, if I buy a property subject to? The bottom line is in a subject to transaction, you execute it correctly. You are now the owner of the property it's as if you bought it in any other way. So now you would start to be able to depreciate the property like because now you took ownership of the property just like you bought it in a regular transaction. What happens if the lender does call the note? Well, then you both could be in, uh, in a bit of a pickle, as they would say, right? Because the seller would have to pay the note off if the note's called, which means that they would ideally work with the buyer to come up with the cash. But if the buyer doesn't have the cash, I guess the buyer loses the property and the seller gets a foreclosure on their record. Basically, I just read an article on this preparing for this. And yeah, that's basically one of the risks of using this or wraparound mortgage, which is a very similar strategy, except with a wraparound mortgage, the sellers actually like wrapping a mortgage around their existing mortgage. So in other words, they're giving you the mortgage in a wraparound mortgage, but it's the same issue. If the bank finds out about this and they call the loan, well, someone has to pay that loan off. <laughs> Otherwise, the bank is foreclosing on the property, right? And yeah. that's the risk. That's one of the biggest risks of this type of transaction is that the bank finds out that you sold the property and that they call the loan. And now you and the buyer or you and the seller, someone has to come up with the money to pay that bank. Is it more risky, do you think, for the seller or for the buyer? Because the buyer, I guess, would lose equity in any additional you know, improvements that they've made, whatever cash they've infused in the deal. But the seller, they're the ones that get the, like, the knock on their record, right? I think it depends, right? Because I think it depends on who carries the most risk. Because think about it, as a seller, you're still responsible for that mortgage, right? You still have to pay that mortgage. So depending on what the balance is, that could be a risk for you. As the buyer, to your point, how much equity do you have into the deal? How much cash did you put into that deal? That's what you have at risk, right? So I think both sides do carry risk. You know, if the seller has a very low mortgage, say 20 grand, I'm just throwing out a really low, stupid number here. And the buyer has like 200 grand of equity, somehow that happens. Well, then the buyer in that case has stands more to lose and the seller has less to lose. So it definitely depends. I guess it also depends on the contract too. I, I mean, I would presume that the contract itself would stipulate what happens in this type of an event, right? Yeah. The way that you kind of create these deals is you want to have a contract between you and the seller or you and the buyer, depending on which side of the transaction you're on, about who's going to pay and when and all that good stuff so that if one of you defaults or one of you fails to execute your side of the contract, at least you have some type of legal recourse against the other party. Now, that doesn't eliminate risk. Just because you have a contract, of course, does not mean that that it's risk-free, but that's how it kind of works. So can we go back to the seller question? I know I'm, I'm, we'll circle back to taxes here in a second, but the one thing with subject to that I've never been able to understand and this is probably because I run an accounting firm, not like a wholesale business or a flip business or a large scale rental business. And I'm sure that if I was in the weeds, I would have the answer to this question. But why would somebody sell under this scenario? Like, why not just cash your equity out? And maybe this is recency bias because, you know, the markets run up so much that I feel like everybody's got pretty significant equity. But like, why would you 
why would you do this versus just sell? Yeah, I'm I'm be honest, I, I don't have a good answer for you. You know, we just uh, I think we're going to bring somebody on at some point to actually talk about subject two and like in the actual strategy itself. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know why people would be doing this outside of the fact that they're in a bind and the buyer that's helping them do such a transaction is perhaps one of their only options. I think I think that you just hit on it. I mean, I just Googled it, right? And the first thing that popped up was selling subject to allows the buyer to purchase your house quickly, meaning I'm in right. need of cash, even if it needs some repairs or it has little to no equity. So I think that my my potentially very green opinion here is just that this is probably for sellers who need to move quickly. They need to liquidate quickly. They don't have much equity and they just need to, they're just done with it and want to cash out. And maybe this is a really quick way to do it. You know, I, I could see, I could see you doing this with some properties that aren't performing and stuff. But even then, you still have the note, you know, associated with your name, so it still hurts you for future financing purposes. But I know that there's a lot of people that do subject to really successfully. I, but I, well, I here, here, here's a scenario. It'd be a lot of fun to sit down with somebody and ask them all these questions. <laughs> well, well, here's here, here's here's a scenario. Humor me for a second, right? So you're an owner of a property. The property is a lot of issues with it, you are digging yourself a hole. A very sophisticated flipper comes in and says, look, I see you have an issue. You, maybe you can't sell the property because there's not that many buyers who want to buy the property with all these issues. Then you have a flipper come in and say, look, look, I can easily fix this. This is not a problem for me. Here's the deal I'll give you. And the seller is just like, look, the flipper too, being a savvy real estate investor, comes and says, you know, I can close in 10 days, right? doing this. And now so that's a really attractive offer to a seller who might not want to have anything else to do with this property and just wants out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I could see it even on on the landlord side because for the landlord, it's great because you probably could structure win-wins now in today's interest rate environment because the landlord knows that they're going to get a lower interest rate. So I, I could see I could see it working on properties that are distressed. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, Back, sorry, everybody. Back to the tax piece. What else do we need to know about taxes related to subject two? Well, believe it or not, it, there's there's not that much else to know. Um, those are the two major tax questions. But I, the reason why we're doing this podcast today is because people ask and want to give people clarity on how these things work. So yeah. again, you know, from a tax perspective, who gets to deduct the interest? The buyer ultimately gets to deduct the interest. What if you're doing a wraparound mortgage? How does that work? Well, in that case, the buyer will deduct the interest they pay. The seller will report the interest that they receive as interest income on Schedule B. All right. The seller will then generally issue a form 1098 to the buyer because now they're basically have they're, they have a mortgage, and then the seller will deduct the interest on Form 4952. So that's generally how it works with a wraparound mortgage. And then the other major question: Can you claim bonus depreciation? Yes. When you buy the property, it's as if you bought in any other transaction. So if you can claim bonus depreciation, if it's eligible for bonus depreciation under a normal transaction, you will be able to use bonus depreciation there too. You'll be able to deduct all your expenses as if it were a normal rental property. The point here, the bottom line, is it's not that complicated from a tax perspective. Yeah. So it's just like from a tax perspective, like analyzing or reporting any other rental property on Schedule E. You get all the deductions, depreciation included. You can cost seg bonus depreciate it because you own it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just and that's the lender's a little bit different. Right. And that's just what you have to be aware of. That's that's the biggest thing, right? And look, I'm not sitting here um, saying people should or should not use this strategy. It's been around since at least the 80s when I did some looking into it, the tax law around it, that was dating back to the 80s. 
and it's been around. And now you haven't heard about it too much over the last few years because interest rates have been so low, it's not really been needed. But now that interest rates have shot up so quickly, it's there's been a resurgence and people are actively using it. So there you have it on the tax, how it's dealt with from a tax perspective. Easy peasy. Um, so before we wrap up, do want to let everybody know that we are going to be doing a tax boot camp in November, um, something we haven't done in a while. So if you want to learn about pretty much all the strategies you need to know as a landlord or short-term rental investor, now's your chance to learn about it. I think we're going to be doing it live. So we're going to be releasing more information, including specific dates, about that soon. But if you do want to make sure that you hear about it, you can go to www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash bootcamp, join that wait list. And when more information is released, we will get that out to you. One more thing. I do know we have a lot of tax professionals who do listen to this show. If you did miss it, uh, we are hiring. We are currently hiring tax seniors, tax supervisors, and tax managers. If that is something you're interested in, if you have tax preparation experience, if you deal with real estate investors, then you can apply by going to www.therealestatecpa.com slash careers. And there are going to be a few links you could apply for the position that's most relevant for you. We'd love to hear from you. I think we're going to be making decisions towards the end of this month. So there's still some time to get in. Um, and that's about it for this episode of Tax Smart REI podcast. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.